trying to, I'm trying the laptop today. Um, I was in Yankton with my wife this past weekend, and we were, we took in a parade, and we got to hang out with uh, the children's pastors down there. You, yeah, sorry, children are dismissed. <clears throat> awesome. Bless the children. Awesome. We were, yeah, like I said, we were in Yankton, hanging out with some good friends, and uh, so that was, that was over in Yankton, so blame the cicada over there. Um, man, you know God is God's a winner, right? You know that. You know God that God doesn't lose. He's not like a good decision and a good choice, but he's he's a winner, and he's he um, he gives himself to us. He puts his spirit inside of us, which makes us winners. And uh, the enemy is a loser, and he's already lost. So he's setting you up. For greatness, he's setting you up to be a winner. Um, the the most fundamental reason for that is because your DNA is exactly the DNA of God. He made us in His image. Man and woman, He made us in His image. And so, every enemy that you might have right now, every close friend, your spouse, your ch- child, the non-Christian, the Christian, He's setting us up for greatness. He's setting us up for breakthrough. The reason why he wants us to surrender our lives to him is because he wants us to experience love. He doesn't need us to feel good about himself. He wants us to experience love. He wants to to experience himself. Last week, I was we were praying, and um, just want to share a prophetic word that I felt God put on my heart to share with our young people, our children, our teenagers, uh, young adults. I just really feel like this is the season of transition. There's a there's a there's a season. It's kind of like a the baton, so to speak, is being handed off to the younger generation. The younger generation are leading, and they don't even know they're leading yet. But but this this baton, this idea, of this baton is being handed off to them, and it's in the context of God trusting them to reach our city, to reach the state, their friends at school. Do I need to switch to a? Am I, am I right? Am I good? Should I switch to a handheld? Yes. yes? Okay, thank you. All right, sorry. It's kind of... Let's try this one. Check one, two. Hello. Am I a little bit lower on that? Awesome. Well, this is a first. Handheld. I like it. You can hide behind it. Just kidding. All right. So to just to finish that word, the young people, I really feel like God is saying, run the race, run it hard. Young people, run the race hard, but don't leave the generation behind you behind. Uh, receive everything that they have to offer. Bring us with you. But we choose to empower you to reach the next generation. We choose to, to trust the children, to t- trust the teenagers, to trust the young people. We, we're setting them up just like God has been setting us up. And he has set us up when we were young people and we're moving forward and we're leading the way. And I just, I just, I don't know, last week I saw four or five students leading up here. They were playing guitars, and they were on the computer, they were, and they're, they're literally just creating the culture of our, of our family. And I'm like, wow, how much does God trust them so much? God, God unbelievably trusts you, and he trusts me, and he trusts our young people. Today we're going to be talking about prayer and how it ripples uh, throughout eternity, the effects that prayer has 
all the way throughout eternity. And uh, the two, the, I guess the two biggest things that I want to talk about are that prayer is your greatest privilege as a Christian. And also, um, th- so like the why behind prayer, why do we pray? And then also, um, let's see if I can, yes. And then also kind of the benefits of what happens when you pray. What, what happens inside of you as you pray, okay? So just from the, from the get-go, prayer is our greatest privilege. Prayer is the greatest privilege of the believer. Uh, I'm trying to think when I should play that video. You know what? Why don't we play the video right now, Mark Batterson's little intro video, and then I'll come back and we'll, get, we'll go right into this. July 4, 1776, 56 founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence and Constitution Gardens memorializes those signers. Most of their names are forgotten two centuries later, but the ripple effect of what they did is the reason we enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In much the same way, I believe that many of the blessings we enjoy are because of someone else's prayers. Spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers who have gone before us. I think one of the greatest moments in eternity will be when God the Father gathers His children, pulls back the curtain of time, and connects the dots between our prayers and His answers. Those dotted lines will cross nations and generations. It'll be a celebration of God's sovereignty But I also think we'll have an opportunity to thank those whose prayers have directly and indirectly impacted our lives. Over the past few weeks, we've been dreaming big, praying hard, and thinking long. We've been circling people and problems and promises. As we end this series, we're just getting started. The goal wasn't circling for 40 days. The goal was to still be praying on day 41. Here's the good news. There's no expiration date on prayer. Our prayers don't dissipate over time. They accumulate, they compound interest. Every prayer you pray ripples all the way into eternity. That's the power of a single prayer. That's the legacy we leave the next generation. Keep circling. Prayer is the difference between letting things happen and making things happen. Prayer, I believe, turns ordinary people into prophets who shape the destiny of their families, their churches, their communities, and even their country. Parents are Exhibit A. I wrote a little book after the circle maker called Praying Circles Around Your Children. And I share in that book that my most frequently circled promise is Luke 2.52. I've prayed that promise thousands of times for my three children. 
May you grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. I believe God is going to answer those prayers, but not just for my children. I believe those prayers are for the third and fourth generation. There'll be a ripple effect in our family. The bottom line is this. You'll never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. And prayer turns parents into prophets who shape the destiny of the next generation. In Joshua 4, the people of Israel have crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Of course, it started with the priests stepping into the river. Then and only then does God part the river. And then 12 leaders are chosen to take 12 stones and set them up in a place called Gilgal. Joshua says, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. It took one day to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Gilgal is the place where God rolls away their reproach. It's where they spent their first night in the promised land, and it's the place where God tells them to build an altar to the Lord with these 12 stones. The question is, why? And the answer, is to serve as a sign to the next generation. It says, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. We think right here, right now. But again, God is thinking nations and generations. We think that what God does for us is for us. And it is, but it isn't. It's also for the next generation. At the end of this study, let me make a confession. I think someday we'll thank God as much for the prayers he didn't answer as the ones he did. Why? Because we asked for the wrong thing, because we're not omniscient. A no from God is as gracious as a yes. That said, I wanna challenge you to keep circling. I believe our greatest legacy is prayer. It's the gift that keeps on giving long after we're long gone. We may forget, God remembers. And God doesn't just remember, He answers in His time, in His way, for His glory. Dream big, pray hard, and think long. Draw the circle. So what are you drawing your circles around? Every single one of us lives a different life, different homes, different areas of the city. What are, what are you circling? What, 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 uh, what issues, what problems, even what, what blessings are you circling around? It's, a, it's been a great series for me uh, just to encourage me to pray uh, more regularly, pray, just pray longer, pray with my family. It's just been an incredible series to go through. Uh, has it encouraged you to pray more as we've been re- reading through? Have you read through? Are you reading through the book? It's just, it's so encouraging. It's so uh, inspiring to, to read through this book together. Um, so I just want to, I want to start off by saying, you know, prayer from the beginning, uh, God has desired relationships with us. That's why he, he, he didn't, cre- he didn't continue living outside of time. He decided it would be awesome to have human beings 
And God has never been confused about who you are, and he wasn't confused when he made you. He knows exactly your, who you were created to be. He knows everything about you, and he loves you, and that's the reason why he created you, because he just he wanted you to experience his love. And so he created Adam and Eve. They were the first people to ever live. We know the story. Uh, they were, they walk, the Bible actually says that God walked with them in the cool of the day. He, he, he actually had relationship with them, and it was so close and intimate. Uh, it's just, I, I can't really wrap my mind around it other than just how privileged they were to be able to encounter God face to face. What would you ask God if you were Adam and Eve? What would you ask him, you know, uh, where are you coming from, God? What, what were you just up to, you know? It's like, well, I was about 30,000 light years away and I was doing some things with some, I mean, like, how would you even have a conversation with him? I mean, it would just be so just inspiring and just amazing. We know the story. God gave them commands. They disobeyed God's commands. And, and God told them, the day that you eat from the, the, that, tr- that tree, that particular tree, will be the day that you die. And we know that Adam and Eve didn't die on that day physically, but they did die spiritually. Their spirits were cut off in the relationship that they had. The greatest privilege they had to encounter God fully without limitations was broken. And so, so, it, it was, so after that happened, God's plan now is to restore us fully back to himself, back into full re- relationship with him. And so, so I want to just walk with you. God's plan, we see it in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we see a lot of history about how God has still chosen to be close to men and women, but with limitations. There was still things that they had to do in order to get into the presence of God, so to speak. There was, it wasn't this walking together in the cool of the day. It wasn't, it wasn't that the intimacy was broken, like husband and wife. It was broken. And, but God's plan is restoring us back to himself fully. If we, look at, if we look at Abraham and how he knew God, how close he was, he was just a man that God's grace and favor rested on. God made him promises. I'm going to give you children, and I'm going to give you land. Abraham was so old, and he was like, well, if you said it, that's good enough for me. And he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham had children, and, and God promised him in the natural children and land in the natural, but he also promised him in the spiritual. And everyone who puts their faith in God is actually a child of Abraham. So the promise that God gave to Abraham is still being answered every single time we put our faith in him. And, and as far as like land... Take the city, so to speak. Take the land. There's, there's areas in our lives that they belong to Jesus, but we just haven't acquired, we haven't acquired dominion. We're not actually ruling in those areas. Maybe it's, maybe it's an area of healing. Maybe it's an area of, you know, uh, uh, what, what could we say here? An area of healing. Maybe it's a lost loved one. God has given you everything that, that every area he has given to you, you have the right to. The enemy has no rights, but we have to go out and contend for these things. Um, so there's Abraham, he had children, and then we move into Moses, and remember Moses, he was, he encountered God in the desert. He was, he, he didn't really know who he was growing up, but then he encountered God in the desert and it radically changed his life. 
And God didn't walk with Moses in the cool of the day. There was, it was still connected, but with limitations still. So Moses was raised up to lead the people out of Egypt. We heard that on the video. He goes out and he meets with God, the presence of God on the top of a mountain. And God says, I want to I raise Israel up to be my chosen people. I want them to be my royal priesthood. I want them to be able to encounter me and I encounter them freely and that, that I'm going to model that to the, to the nations. The people said, we don't want that. We want you to be our spokesman. Whatever you say, we'll do. And so eventually God chose the Levites. They were one of the tribes and God specifically chose them. He told everyone else, there was 12 brothers and he said, all of, your, all, all of you guys get land, but there's one tribe, all they get, all they get is all of me. And I say that specifically because that's all, that's all that they want is God. To be able to encounter God, our greatest privilege is prayer. And so from there, from, from, from Moses, we move into Joshua. And Joshua is interesting because Joshua, remember, he was like, he was one of those bad to the bone kind of guys. He was like, he was a spy. He went into the promised land that was promised to Abraham. And he said, hey, let's take the land. And 10 other spies said, no, these guys are too big. And so Joshua was like, we can take the land. And the people said, no, it's, it's, there's too much. So Joshua, with the other spy, they had to suffer with the people in the desert for 40 years. That's a third of his life. We know that Joshua lived to be about 110 years old, but he had to suffer in the desert because of what the people wanted, because of the fear of people. They said, we can't take the land, but God promised it to Abraham. Joshua saw it, but he, he, had, to, he had to stay in the desert with him. Eventually, God rose up judges to take care of his people. He started raising up people like Gideon and Samson and Deborah, and he started raising them up to be protectors and also people that brought justice for the people. He, started, he, he rested on some of these people. I mean, how do you explain Samson's incredible ability to tear gates off of a city and carry them up a hill? His power rested on certain people, but with limitations. The greatest privilege that we have is to pray. And when I mean pray, one of the best ways that I, I can give you a picture of it is it's really just, it's building a relationship with God. It's not simply talking to God, even though that's what it is. You are talking, but it's actually building a relationship. Because enemies can talk. Enemies can communicate. But it's hard for enemies to build together and work together for the common good. And so God is, God, God um, from, from the judges, God raised up these judges and he rested on them with limitations. Then, he, then, he, then David came, the kings, right? Started with Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Saul, it was all about him. Eventually, he, uh, he, he just couldn't obey God. He wanted to always modify God's plans. And so God said, I'm, I've removed the kingdom from you and I'm going to give it to the tribe of Judah. I'm going to give it to a man that's after my own heart. And David, we know, he was raised up in God. David was such a, a good picture of, of Jesus, how he just operated in king, as a king, as a priest. Um, and, and, uh, and so God wrestled with King David and, and, 
was able to communicate with them. And then there was many kings after him. <clears throat> and then after that, he wanted, he started raising up the prophets, remember. The prophets were people that he wanted to, he spoke to very specific words to direct the whole nation of Israel. He told this one individual, hey, I need you to go tell this, this, this nation. And, and you got people like Jonah. They were, he was sent out to the younger brothers, right? The wild living, the, the non-Jewish Ninevites. And he had much success. The whole city fasted and prayed and, and turned their lives around and, and followed God. And then you have people like Jeremiah, another prophet who was raised up, and he was sent out to the elder brothers. And they thought he was crazy and didn't listen to him. And he had little success. After that, you have, you know, the, 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 there was, after the, the prophets, there was 400 years. So like at the end of Malachi, there was 400 years of silence. There's nothing being, there's nothing being, uh, being had biblically for 400 years between Malachi and when the angels said, good tidings, great joy, goodwill towards men, behold, the king of glory has come. Jesus came to fully restore relationships. The whole, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole story between the, the prophets, the kings, the, the, everyone, it, it, was, it was to restore us back to him. So now we're in New Testament now we're in New Testament times, right? We look to people like Paul and we look Stephen and Peter and some of the greats. And then we, we put them on a pedestal and say they're amazing. And then somehow when it's your spouse or when it's your neighbor or when it's just one of us, we treat each other like eh, it's just one of us. But God is set you, he's setting you up for this era of time, of history, Hebrews says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So let us run the race. You're not an accident. Like, you can't accidentally exist. <laughs> he strategically plans to have you bring heaven to earth. He strategically chose your family. He strategically chose this time. God's, God strategically chose technology. He's every part of it. You're inside of his will, and he's setting you up for greatness. He's setting you up to be a winner. And how does it come? It comes through prayer. Prayer is your greatest privilege. It's the greatest one that you have, to be able to build a relationship with God Almighty. We lost it in Eden, and it's been restored to us after the cross, the, re the resurrection of Christ. He's, and, and I, I want to just talk to you just for a second about... Uh, what are the benefits? What happens when we benefit from them? If it's our greatest privilege to be able to talk to God and we're trusted with heaven's plans, why don't we pray more? Because it takes faith, right? That's a good little one-liner. You can say amen there. Amen, right? It takes faith. And let me give you a simple version of what faith is. Faith is assurance from the Holy Spirit that you can live by God's word every moment. Every decision, every choice that you make, every step that you take is with what God has said in mind. But it's not, I'm going to try harder. It's assurance that comes from the Holy Spirit. 
And so the Bible, essentially, the Bible becomes more and more relevant to every decision you make. Everything at home, when you're talking to your son's football coach, when you're going to the store, when you're fueling up your gas station, every decision starts becoming centered around, what has God said about this moment in my life? What has he done in the past and what does he want to do in the future? Because it's relevant to my life and it comes from the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11.6 says this. You can put this on screen. It says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Sometimes I'll say, have you, you know, I'll ask somebody, you know, they come up to me and they say, oh man, my life is terrible. And it's, you know, I hate to even say it because it's sometimes hard. I, I don't just jump to this, but sometimes it's like, it, let's, okay, let's start with the basics. Have you prayed? Yeah, I've prayed. It's like, okay, what did it look like? Well, God help me. Get me out of this mess. And that was it. Sometimes we think that he's a genie in a bottle that if we say the word with no sincerity, with no time, with no, uh, with, with no effort whatsoever, that God is just going to, boom. And he can and he has. But how many times when, when, you're, when you're dating your spouse or dating your significant other before they become your spouse, man, you're going after that person. You're going after them because they're, 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 they mean so much to you. Uh, your children. How many of you guys, like, it's just like one quick, like, one statement to them and, yeah, you're out of my brain. It's like, we're constantly, we give our attention, we give our time, we give our love. And how much frustration is there as well? There's a lot of frustration in, in real relationships. God wants us to be sincere. He wants us to go after him. John chapter 20, it says this. Jesus says this to the disciples. He said to Thomas, he said, put your finger in my hands and put your hand in my wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe me without seeing me. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Thomas, for three years, had the Father as his teacher on the planet. Everything the Father would do, Jesus was doing. So essentially, you could say, Thomas had the Father instructing his mind, his decisions, everything. He lived with Jesus for three years, being discipled and being taught by Jesus. Jesus told him multiple times, I'm going to die and when I die, I'm gonna, it's going to be bad. I'm going to be turned over, and then I'm raised on the third day. After that, he appears to the disciples once, and they tell Thomas, like, he, he's alive. What he said actually came true. And Thomas says, I don't believe it. It's such a sad picture because Thomas did not believe. If he would, in, our, in our day and age, he would have not been a Christian. Jesus said, uh, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. So what is doubt? Doubt is, when, doubt is formed when you accept truth, but you don't allow it to transform you. That's how doubt is actually formed. So coming to church and receiving more and more and more and more is dangerous if you're not letting it transform you and transform me. 
It's a, it's, it's, so we are, we are sons and daughters. We are to live by faith. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Again, faith is assurance that comes from the Holy Spirit that every word that God has said over, over us, over, over each other, whatever, is completely relevant to me today. Every moment I can live by his word. It's just complete assurance in that. Doubt is formed when you accept a truth that doesn't transform your life. <clears throat> I want to talk about how, so the very first thing, that the, the, the number one thing you got to understand is prayer is your greatest privilege. If you're not tapping into that, if you're not actually taking advantage of the of why Jesus has restored us to rebuild our relationship every moment by moment. We're sons and daughters to live by faith. If you're not tapping into that, I just encourage you to tap into that. Start, start praying. Start going after it because it's, it's your right now. In the Old Testament, they had to wash their hands, do a lot of rituals, kill a lot of animals just to get into rooms outside of the Holy of Holies. But literally... The new believer is the holy, it's, it's the Ark of the Covenant. The presence resides in us fully. So why, if the presence resides fully in us, why don't we see him? It's because we're unaware of him and we're not yielding to him. And when he asks us to do something, we don't do it. Or when he says, hey, this is in my word. And we're like, I don't like that part, but I like these other parts. Or he says, hey, this is truth. And we're like, yeah, that's, that is truth, huh? Huh, all right. Well, I wonder, uh, I wonder what's on TV later. And we just start filling up our lives with things that aren't going to really benefit us spiritually. Time doesn't, time doesn't, just time in and of itself doesn't change you. Decisions change you. And decisions to obey God matures you until, as you walk with him, as you, as you give your life and you trust him. It matures you. Prayer helps us become people who advocate versus accuse. John chapter 16 verse 7 says this, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Some translations say helper. If I do go away, I will send him to you. Jesus Jesus was Jesus left part of his deity the um, the uh, ability to do whatever he wanted the, the ability to create and be powerful and all that he left part of that in heaven so everything he did on the planet was with the advocate resting on him Jesus modeled what it looked like for the new believer to be without sin and how to live his life empowered to do ministry and he called that helper the advocate. Notice he didn't call him the accuser. He didn't call him like your buddy, your genie. He said the advocate. Prayer helps us advocate for one another and not accuse. So what is advocate? Where does that come from? It actually comes from the Greek word parakletos, which means some, uh, someone who's summoned or someone who's called to one side. See, when we actually pray, what's happening is we enter into, when we pray, God's, God's heart 
comes inside of us and we start seeing the way that he sees. And if God is always the advocate for your worst friend or enemy, if God is always advocating for that person, what happens when we stop advocating for them? What happens is the Holy Spirit actually becomes our adversary. The Holy Spirit is actually, adversary means one who is against. He's your opponent. Because God never stops advocating for your neighbor. No one's an accident. Like even your worst enemy, the, the person who just frustrates you to no end, God is fully standing with them, advocating for full restoration in their life. And if someone's hurt you, someone's like just, it's, most likely because they did something that was wrong and they're just not seen correctly. I think a lot of times we spend our time trying to prove the fact that we're right instead of advocating for them in the restoration. And what that kind of looks like basically is instead of saying my, to my son, Elijah, you stood on the table and you fell down. I told you this was going to happen. You're, if you would just listen to me, this wouldn't happen. Advocating is, son, I love you. I told you not to get on the table, but you're created for greatness. You keep getting on that table, you're going to get hurt. Let's make sure that we don't do that. And, we, and the, the language, the heart, is every, everything changes when you're advocating for someone. The, the, one of the greatest gauges that I feel, <laughs> if you want to know whether you're advocating or, some, or not for someone, is the way that you treat someone, is it, is it based on your closest relationship? So maybe that's your spouse, maybe that's your mom or dad, are you treating them the same exact way you would treat your closest relationship? The person you esteem the highest, whether it's your grandpa, your mom, your dad, or your spouse or children, whoever it is, would you esteem them? This, would you go after them the same way? So when they, when they do something that offends you or hurts you, do you respond the same way you would your spouse? When we get into, his, when we get into the prayer room, when we pray to God, when we, when we talk to God and just say, God, whatever you want, do it in me. Yes and amen to your word. It actually builds trust. Do you know why? Because God's so convinced that when we get with him, when we're, when we're walking with him and we, allow, we start becoming aware of him and his decisions, he's so confident in the Holy Spirit in us that he's called the advocate, one who stands beside. He doesn't necessarily have to walk in front of us he, he, he trusts us enough to stand beside us. He can stand in front of me. He can win all my battles. He can do all that. But how much glory is, it in, in, is there in when a father experiences his son doing what the father asked without being told? It's just because he's maturing. He's learning. He's growing. You know, he, 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 he takes out the trash. My son, you know, takes out the trash without being asked. Wow. Like, you weren't even asked to do that. I'm so proud of you. So many of us are like, we, we pray a prayer and we're like, God, just save everyone. Yeah, go get them. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. But he's like, okay, I'll do that. I'm waiting on you though. Like, go for it. And so we start, we start setting, we, we start um, trusting God, saying, God, every single relationship in my life today, I'm believing that, I'm believing that, you trust me to reach out. We start reaching them and we start telling them how much the Father loves them and he wants to restore them. How do you think that make God, God feel? 
I mean, that must make him feel incredibly proud that he can trust us, he can walk beside us, called to one side. That's what the, the advocate Basically, what the, one of the ways that I see it is the Holy Spirit trusts you so much. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, God trusts you unbelievably. And, and, and that trust builds in prayer. But, but as it builds, he literally wants you to change his mind. We see this in Moses when God says, I'm going to wipe out all of the Israelites and start over with you. And Moses said, Father... Let's don't do that. And God said, yeah, let's don't do that. Because God trusts Moses. God knows that Moses has been with him and he can, he can stir up. He can stir up right decisions because there's so much of the Holy Spirit inside of, inside of those decisions that you're like, wow, God knows, God knows that he can trust us. So think about it with Mary. Mary's, Mary's um, she's at the wedding. Jesus has not done one miracle. Jesus and Mary says, we need wine at the wedding. And Jesus says, um, it's not my time. Like, it's not my time to do any miracles right now. And, and, and she says, we, we need wine for the wedding. Like, and he tells, she tells the servants, just do whatever, just do whatever he says. So Jesus goes to the father and says, like, she really wants wine. It's like, okay, we'll do wine. My point is, is that God delights so much. God sometimes doesn't even, uh, he's not intimidated by your perfect performance or your lack thereof. He's not intimidated by the fact that he stands beside you and not in front of you. He's not intimidated by uh, failures and struggles and he's not intimidated whatsoever he would rather us take steps of faith and he would rather us bring glory to him because I know my dad so well, I can do exactly what he'd be doing if he had complete control of my body. I have free will because he loves me that much. But if, if he removed my free will, our lives would look no different. That's, that's what I mean. He wants us to get to a point when we're spending so much time to him in prayer. We're talking, we're praying, God, please, whatever there is inside of me that should not be there, give me the grace to be able to lay those things down. Every relationship that's broken, give me the grace to fight for the other person. Fight for them like they're my spouse. Jesus, Jesus sent the advocate. The advocate is always the advocate. The enemy is always the accuser. The accuser is always trying to get inside of your head for you to believe a lie. We're, either, we're constantly either advocating or accusing every person that we come in contact with. There's really no middle ground. It's either we're advocating for them or accusing them. And God is always our advocate. We've heard it said that I can't, I, I can't afford to have a thought in my head about you that God doesn't have in his head about you. I never want to have, I don't ever want to have a thought in my head that the enemy says yes to. And yet, how many times do we do this? 
you know, your spouse gets home from work and you're like, oh, he just never helps out around the house. Or vice versa, you know. Uh, you get home and you're like, oh man, food is never ready. She just will never get that. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, my son, he always talks back to me. He's such a joke. Like, why can't he just get this in his head? I've told him a hundred times, you cannot, you, you got to do this. And we literally live from a place of behavior modification. Do, don't, uh, and, and that's, that's how we judge. That's how employees, that's how we get hired. And so that's how it translates over into kingdom principles. And it's just not, it's not kingdom. It's not the way God does it. The way God does it is he's constantly advocating. I, I want to figure out what's being said in heaven about my wife or my boss or my pastor or about you, my friends. I want to know what's the conversation that's around the throne right now that God is talking about you to the rest of heaven. And those are the things that I want to give my yes to for you, for me, for my worst enemy. What are you, where is your mind at? The battle is in the mind. It really is. Time won't fix. Time by itself won't fix offense. It's not going to fix, um, it's not going to fix just, I'm gonna, I hope I'm mature in this time. We have, we have to become people who give our yes to God's thoughts. He's an advocate. I just shared the same concept with, with um, young people, some teenagers, not from our church, but from around the state, about it's, it's the, the scariest thing to think that we can walk with God for 100 years and we can throw off and we can mature for 100 years and the moment that we become offended with someone and we choose not to forgive. Jesus said, Father, would you forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us? Isn't it scary to think that it's possible to actually void everything that God has done because of offense, because of something that I've done to you something that I've hurt you with. But God is calling us all. It's, this isn't a message of, of despair. God is calling us all, encouraging us all. There's an advocate that lives inside of you. And I never want, I never want to, for him to become my adversary, my, the one I'm trying to convince. God, you just don't know. He really is this way. He's so mean, or he's he always makes poor choices. Like, you got to come to my side. And God's like, he might not see correctly. She might not see correctly. But when I'm through, they will. Can you bring them with you? Prayer puts us in a position to actually receive sight, spiritual sight, Exactly how the Father sees when we pray, it gives us that vision. So if there's like, if there's um, not just offense, but if there's depression in your heart, you're just depressed, you, you're hopeless, 
if you're discouraged, if you feel like, you know, or maybe there's addictions, as we've been talking about, if, if you can't kick that addiction, he's advocating for you, and he's setting you up to win because he's a winner. Every single one of us has something more to lay down. Every single one of us. So what can we do in the context of praying? Uh, I just want to give you a practical thing. When I pray, uh, I journal when God tells me something. So like, uh, God doesn't speak word-for-word translation for me. He gives me a thought, and I have to translate that through the John filter, (laughs) right? Uh, We see that in Peter when he wrote the books of Peter. Peter was very uneducated, and it comes out in Greek. Many translations... The, the interpreters have a very hard time with his book because he, he wrote as he was educated. He was very uneducated. But then you have people like Paul and Matthew. Matthew was a doctor. Paul was a, a theologian since a child. He was very systematic. He knew how to work things, write things. And many times he was so good at it, he said, I'm not going to even like use fancy words. I'm just going to depend fully on the spirit and the power of God right now to convince you of the good news. Because he didn't want the words to become a stumbling block. And, and I, I, I want to encourage you guys, as God gives you downloads and thoughts and ideas, to journal them. A good app for me that I use is called Evernote. Some of you guys might use that. And basically, there's a, there's a button you can push that you can speak into the phone. And it starts recording all of the things that are coming out of your mouth. Sometimes I'll have, excuse me, prophetic dreams. And I'll just, um, I'll just be like, I'll, first thing I do, grab my phone click the button, I'll be like, last night I dreamt that God told me this, and like, I just go for it. I dream a lot, and I, I've been recording them, and sometimes, this is the weirdest thing, but sometimes by midday, I won't remember one detail about that dream, and I wouldn't have remembered it unless I recorded it, but, but it's, it's so cool. When you, can, when you start recording, and the years go by, and you start seeing dreams, or like if one of you guys came up to me and prayed over me and gave me a prophetic word, and you write those same things down and whatever, you start journaling, you start seeing what God is saying to you, like segments of your life. It's super awesome. So I want to encourage you guys, journal. Like whether it's like you have to get a fancy like leather bound with the leather strap around it, you know, the fancy pen, whatever. I mean, if you want to do it that way, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a phone, just click the button and speak into it and I'm good to go. Um, I want to, I, I, I do want to just, I want to pray now. So if we can, um, if we can just get some music playing just in the background, I want to spend probably about the, just the remaining of the service in prayer. So just five, five to seven minutes. I want to pray together about uh, just a few different things that I feel God's put on my heart to pray for together. I want to remind you guys that today at 12 we have fasting and prayer here in the chap or here in the worship center. And I want to encourage you guys if if you want to, if you can, um, stick around. There's something that happens when we pray together as a family. We see it all throughout the Bible. You see it constantly. Some these nations that would come together and make decrees to God, and God would respond to the family. I want to just encourage you, if, if you can, from 12 to 1, we're going to have fasting and pray, fasting and praying. But for right now, I just want to pray uh, specifically, you can close your eyes, and if, if you want to stand up, walk around, if you want to come to the altar, if you need to just, uh, 
whatever you want to do, just to kind of re-engage your own prayer to God. Uh, I just want you to do that now. It's, it's very hard to build a relationship. It's very hard to pray to God, come into relationship with God, if, if you don't actually have a relationship with God. And so if, if you don't have a relationship with God, it's, it's completely free of charge, and the only, the only strings attached is he, he, he wants you to experience love. He's going to take so much of, so much of the pain, the, the bad ways of thinking, the bad ways of living, and he's going to exchange it for new life. It's a lifelong process. Uh, you're, you'll give the rest of your life to his opinions. His opinion matters most. But he wants you to experience love. He wants you to walk with him and do life with him. And he'll put, as you put full trust and confidence in him, he's putting it right back in you because he's going to deposit someone called the advocate. He's going to put that person inside of you and they, they will commit to advocate for you, advocate for you until you see the eyes of Jesus. If there's anyone here that would like to give their life to Jesus and just said, man, I've, I've really not been doing well. I don't even know if I know Jesus. If you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to just make eye contact with me. Just look up at me. It's, it's, it's free of charge. Jesus had to pay for it, but to you, he's offering it for free. If there's anyone here that would like to give their life to Jesus, I want to make sure that that's, a, that's offered to you. Father, I, th- I thank you, Lord, every person, for every person here. I thank you, God, for how committed you are to us, that you're setting us up to be a winner. You're setting us up for greatness. And there is a, the greater spirit that lives in me than he who's in this world. But yet, God, help us to not, to not give our yes to the way he thinks about people, about you, about our spouse, God, help me to only be thinking the thoughts that are in your head about people. Help me to only give my yes to you. So God, today I just ask that you give us the grace to pray more. Pray more in our homes. Model it to our children, to our spouses. Give us the grace to pray together, God. Lord, I pray against shame and guilt that says, you know, if we're not perfect performance, then, oh man, you're going to think less of me. God, I just pray against that. I just silence that in Jesus' name. But God, I pray that there is a deep desire that comes from you for this body that, that makes us want to pray more together. God, I ask for faith. We know that faith come, is assurance that comes from you, that every word of the Bible, everything that you've said over us, is relevant and we can live from that place moment by moment every decision give us faith to believe let us be faithless no longer God help us to not follow you for three years work in the miraculous encounter your presence encounter your goodness 
and still not believe, God. Help us to believe. Help us to not just receive truth and not let it transform us. But God, give, allow us to give our agreement over to it. Our agreement over to the power of the word. In Jesus' name, God, give us, give us faith that we need. In Jesus' name. Faith comes by hearing. Comes by hearing and naturally by doing. Just give us the grace that we need, God, to transform our life. Let this truth transform us, God. I want to take two minutes. I just want you to say, God, speak to me. I want to ask two minutes, and I just want you to be absolutely quiet, if, if at all possible. If you have children, I, that <laughs> doesn't count. <laughs> you can you love on those kids. You love on wh- whoever whatever you need to do but if at all possible just listen for two minutes Father, everything that you have for us, we receive it now in Jesus' name. Everything that you just told us, we receive it. Give us the grace to walk it out. Give us the grace to be still and to know that you're God. Give us the grace to silence our phones, silence each other, silence just time. Just for moments, God, help us to not help us help us to not um, become so busy. To value another opinion more than yours, whether we have money in the the banking account, whether our, our spouse is treating us right, 
whether we got the news from the doctor, God, I pray, Lord, that, that you just give us your opinion about life every moment, every decision. So receive the advocate and may his face shine on you today. We love you, Father. We honor you. Please walk with us every decision in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Just pray God blesses you today. Uh, just again, want to just remind you at 12, if you would like to stay, pray with us as a family. We love to do that together. Uh, Christina has felt like God's been putting something on her heart for this segment of time. And uh, as she said last week, just so excited to see what God has in store. Uh, we might not see it in the natural with our eyes today. We might, but we will see it in the days to come. Because as Mark Batterson says, God's prayers, or as we pray to God, they always become answered, whether in this lifetime or in the lifetime to come. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in and through this particular family. Love you guys. God bless you.